Well, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all you people, all of you mothers out there, and uh, let you know that the, the best mother in the world lives in Rain, Louisiana. I'm going to see her this afternoon, but the rest of you can, can try to be as good as her at some point, so don't give up. It's all right. We are so thankful for mothers. And uh, you guys are, uh, it's such a blessing to be able to to, uh, to sit in front of mothers every week who are not only making differences in their families, but making a difference in the community and training up mothers to love God and uh, have the blessing of having young mothers in this congregation, uh, that God has plans for you, plans to change the world through you and through your uh, children. And we're excited about that. The arrows that we're going to send out of this congregation uh, as, as God calls them into different aspects of ministry are just to, do, just to do life, but to do it in love with Jesus, who we were talking about this morning. Um, and I appreciate Kobe's prayer. I want to echo that, that, uh, man, we just are so thankful that God allows us to get to know him in personal ways and that he's revealing himself to us. Uh, through his word and in our time of study and, and through the stories that we're looking at in the Gospels of of Jesus and his encounters with people. And I'm, I'm so thankful for what I'm learning and the way I'm growing personally through this series, just trying to strip away everything else except the person that we discover uh, as he relates to people in in his life and so i hope this has been enjoyable for you as well and again i hope it's been more than just a head exercise today we're going to look at the difference uh in just a head exercise and what happens whenever jesus grows us in a storm uh one of the beautiful characteristics of jesus is that he is very present in the storms of life I've asked this question so many times in, in our congregation, but I'll ask it again just so that we can see and remind ourselves. How many of you have, had, have grown, you feel like, the most during a storm in life? Raise your hand. Raise it up so people can see. Okay. I mean, you see. This is not a secret, but it's something that we don't hold on to enough, I feel like. You know, so many of you right now, probably all of you to some degree, are facing some type of storm in your life. Uh, there's something going on in your life that could overwhelm you. Uh, if you didn't have a proper perspective on the storm. Uh, there are all kinds of storms that come up in life, and, and I have faced storms in all, just about every arena that I can think of in my life other than the death of someone really close to me. Uh, but I've had all these so many storms, and I've learned so much about who God is in the middle of the storm, and it's because God knows how to grow us in the storm. Storms don't happen by accident. They, I mean, they come about, and God knows they're coming about, and whether he brings them about, which I, I believe sometimes he does. I believe sometimes God actually brings a storm about. Uh, but it could, or, or whether he does that or he just knows the storm is coming, and he's, he wants to give us the best opportunity to grow in our knowledge of him. Whatever the case, there is nothing, no storm that comes in life that for us who are believers and who have given our lives to Christ, that, that we don't have a beautiful benefit to gain from it, something wonderful, some deep knowledge about God that will, that will transform the way that we handle those kinds of storms later on in life and 
uh, in a very uh, incredible way. It will also help us to handle storms that come in other categories of our life because that's who he is. Now, this isn't something that Jesus did once in his life. It's something that he always did in his life. But we're going to look at the next story in a series of, uh, of stories about Jesus' life as we're going through the synoptic gospels. Synoptic means that they, they uh, all have similar stories and they're sharing those stories. So when we look, when I'm studying right now, I'm looking at a synopsis of all four of the Gospels. If you're not aware of this, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are very similar. And John is a little bit different in the way that he portrays and gives the stories about Jesus. But I'm looking at these stories and kind of how they happen in sequence as we go through the life of Jesus. So... Uh, it's one person's perspective on when these stories happen, and they all happen, seem to happen at different times in, different, in the different Gospels, uh, but we're working our way through in that way, just so that we don't miss some beautiful story about Jesus and, and the ability to see who he is in the story. So today we come to uh, the calming of the storm, uh, a passage that we're going we're gonna to read out of Mark chapter 4, and we'll read a portion of it out of Matthew chapter 13. But in Mark chapter 4 will be our focal passage. So let's read about the storm. And then I want to show you some truths that God's given me. By the way, some beautiful, fresh, new truths that God unfolded for me this week uh, that I've been so excited about. I hope that you will pray with me, uh, not only pray for me, but pray with me that God will unfold these truths in a way that you can grasp it because I'm not sure that I really get it all yet. It's just been so really incredible and cool to watch. Uh, what God revealed about this passage. So get ready for something fresh. It's going to be fresh today. Some of it you may not have, I may not have heard yet. And so it could be that fresh. Uh, But I have an outline and I have some things that the Lord has told me to to say uh, to you as a congregation. But it's so important that you hear. And here's what I don't want to happen in this passage or in this, this sermon today. I don't want you to get caught here in a minute not accepting the word not hearing it and accepting it, because we're going to talk about that today. It's a part of this story. What do you do with the word? When I was uh, in in seminary, when Salath and I were in seminary, I've shared this story with you but in honor of my mother on Mother's Day uh, and her, her being used by Christ to carry us through a storm, she and my dad carrying us through a storm in life. I want to share this story and come back to it at the end, if I remember. And, uh, and unfold some of the truths as it happened to us. But this is a story that's very similar. So to kind of get us in the context, we were uh, called to go to seminary to work on our PhDs, my wife and I, both at the same time with two kids, and to give up uh, a full-time job in a really good church uh, to do it. And, and the Lord, un- un- as he unfolded his plan for us, it didn't include any secure work. It was just kind of itinerant work as things came about. Most of you have learned how to live that way, all right? But when you grow up, you're not supposed to have to live that way, typically. You know, when you grow up and have kids, you're supposed to kind of be stable. Well, God was taking us totally away from stability, and there was purpose in it. And so we knew what the word of the Lord was for us, and we were obeying his word, and we were walking through life with God day by day. God was was providing for us. I I nicknamed myself the minister of, of cancellation. Because it seemed like every week somebody would call me on Thursday and say, hey, can you do something for us tomorrow? Somebody canceled. And a guy was messing with me in the whole time. He was teaching me something through all of that. 
But rather than give me a, you know, a couple of months notice so I can know that I was secure, I was having to depend on him, and the, and the, and the opportunity wouldn't come until the day before. Many of you have had that experience as well. So we're living our lives that way. And, and we had a month, a whole month of May in our first year in seminary when I had nothing. There was no job. There was nothing that came up. Now, you know, we had had a little bit of money to take care of things in the bank, but we, had, I mean, we were down. And there were some, some camps coming in June that I was asked to do, some good money-making camps. And so I was excited about that. So I go and do the camps for the first two weeks, and I come home, and I've got a pocket full of money to pay the bills. And I'm excited, and God's provided. And I'm, I, you know, I'm all excited about that. Pay the bills, and then I pick up a letter from the seminary, and I, and I open it up, and I think, well, this is just going to be a letter of encouragement to us. You know, you're doing a good job. Stay the course, you know. Good guy, good work, son. No, it wasn't. It was a bill from the seminary telling us if we didn't have it paid off, have our bill paid off by the following Wednesday, we were going to be removed from campus housing and disenrolled from school. Can you believe that, seminary? Anyway, yeah, it happens, right? Bill's got to be paid. I understand that. So, but here I am, man. I'm at the, you know, God's been providing for me, teaching me, growing me. I've been hearing his word. I've been applying it. But now I'm at a place where I need a word. I need another word. I need, I need some truth to hold on to. And, and I, don't, I don't know what to do. I'm panicking. And Talitha reads a letter, and we're panicking. We're laying in the bed watching the ceiling fan spin and wondering where is this going to come from, trying to figure out how am I going to work to make enough money to pay this off, and there was no possibility. And, and so I felt the prompting of the Lord, and this is key. In that moment, I felt the prompting of the Lord to pick up a book that I had been studying. And I was resistant to it because I wanted to sulk a little while longer and try and figure out what I could do to make some money. But I kept feeling this prompting, and it, was, it became overwhelming, so I just picked it up. And here's what I read. Where I left off, the very next statement said this. And this was, this was God literally speaking to me in the moment. It said, when you come to a crisis of belief, what you do next tells what you believe about God. Man, I just kept, the Holy Spirit opened up every word of that sentence, and it still has tremendous meaning to me today. Obviously, I I still have it memorized. I can't forget those words. It was a word that God gave me. It was truth to hold on to. And and so I asked to life, I said, what do we believe that God, what do we believe about God? And we both said, we believe God can take care of this without our intervention, without us working. He can do this for us. If he wants us in school and he calls us in school, this is his responsibility. He will do it. We had a word from God, and so we held on to it. So we agreed that we wouldn't tell anybody about it, that we would just pray and trust God with a little faith that we had, and it was little faith. So we trusted God with that little faith that we had, and on Monday, that was on Saturday night, on Monday before the Wednesday when everything was due, there's a knock at my door at 5 in the morning, and my mom and dad are at the door, and they live three hours away, which is not totally un unusual for my dad if he wakes up hey pudgy let's go you know he gets in the truck and goes rides on a you know watch the sun sunrise two hours later you know on a levee somewhere but they knock at the door and so i let them in and i say nothing because mainly because i knew they had nothing to offer they had been so generous to us but they were you know my parents my dad was a principal in the high school my, my mom wasn't working that was it and they had helped us a lot but they, they didn't have anything to give to us so 
we, we just sit there and visit for a little while. Dad says, hey, let's go to the coffee shop. So we go to the coffee shop on campus, and we sit down, and he asks me, unprompted by me, how much do you owe on your school bill? And I told him how much I owed, and he smiled, and he said, your mama said we can pay that off. We got this money. I said, well, how are you going to do that, Dad? He said, we got this money from this deal. I don't even remember what the deal was. All I remember was God put money in my mama's account. My mom, who is so tight so tight, who, who has every dollar planned in her life. She never, she writes everything in her checkbook. I mean, there's not a missed anything. If she, she balances her checkbook every, you know, most of you young people don't know what balancing a checkbook is because you don't have to do that anymore. But used to, we had to balance the checkbook. She had it all lined up. She had money. And it was so God, so obvious that God came through in the storm of my life and took the word that I was holding on to that he gave me in preparation for this and, and, and taking the, the, uh, t- paying attention to the fact that the time was about to come when there's going to be a big storm. And, and he reminds me of that and just know that in preparation for this that you have a word to hold on to and, and, you, and, and you, you, it's going to be a, a bad storm, and, but I'm with you. I'm going to be there for you. And he provided for us. We paid our bill off and we kept going. But I've never forgotten that moment because all of a sudden, all of the truth that I'd heard about God in my life and for that whole year of of working from day to day and seeing little miracles every day, all of that truth that I had seen and heard about in God became so real to me that I would never lose it. The depth of that truth of God being my provider I realized for the first time that he was my provider. But my response in the moment was, who is he that he can do this? Who is God that he can step into my life, give me a word to hold on to, prepare me ahead of time, bring my mom some money, send them over to my, tell them to pay my bill off when they don't know anything about my bills, send them into my house on the morning, two mornings before I'm getting kicked out of campus. Who is he that he can do that kind of stuff? Man, I had this revelation of God in my experience in the storm of my life that I'll never forget what I learned about God in that moment. I never doubt God's provision anymore. I never doubt it. I never doubt it for our church. And, and God has always been faithful, and he always will be faithful. God wanted to show me something about himself in the moment that I would hold on to for the rest of my life. That's what abiding is, Right? That's why we teach abiding in this church is hearing what God says, doing what he says with the faith that we have, seeing what God does, and and giving credit to the person behind the activity. Not just being glad for what his hand gives us, but for who it is that gives it to us and knowing that he is always faithful to take care of us. So Jesus uses life storms. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41 On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat, took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he, woke, uh, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. 
And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you, so, have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Today we're going to look at this story, this story of Jesus, Jesus being very present in the time of a storm. At first glance, it seems like Jesus is simply relaxing, resting, sleeping, uh, and, and then reacting to a random circumstance because of the panic of the disciples. When you read the story, it's how it reads, right? We're looking at, at Jesus resting, sleeping, unaware, and then all of a sudden uh, responding to a random, seemingly random circumstance at the panic of his disciples. It's almost as if he calms the storm so he can go back to sleep. <laughs> but there's a beautiful story behind his actions that will encourage all of us, I think, as we face storms as disciples of Christ. So let's dig in. And I, I believe you're going to see today that Jesus had been working all day in the lives of, in the lives of his disciples to accomplish something and that the storm was the perfect setting for the final exam of what he had been teaching them all day. Look at it with me. First of all, let me, let me say this. Why the storms? Why do we have storms? Let me say why we don't have storms, first of all. We don't have storms because we lived the day in sin and had to be corrected. Storms don't come because you lived in sin, and now you're being corrected. So many times when a storm comes, we look at that storm and we say, oh, I must have done something wrong. Some problem comes, something happens in your life, something negative happens in your life, and it's because you, because you, you did something wrong during the day. And we are so fearful of a God who we, who we believe is a God who's looking down on us and saying, when you mess up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zap you. But that's not the God of this story. The disciples have spent all day with Jesus, teaching with Jesus, uh, teaching the crowd, uh, ministering to the crowd. They'd been uh, taking care of people. They, they'd also taken care of Jesus. First of all, they sat at his feet. They asked him about the parables and want to learn from him. I mean, they're being good students. They're going to Sunday school. You know, they're, they're doing ministry. They're going to Sunday school. And then, and then they're also uh, taking care of Jesus. They're serving him by putting him in the boat and Letting him rest while they take him to the other side, obeying what he said to do. So they're doing everything right, and they still had a storm. I just want to say that because I think some of us, we need to know that storms don't arise because we've been bad. Now, God uses storms to correct the bad sometimes, but he's not looking down and saying, if you do another bad thing, I'm going to send a storm. Just don't get a picture of God that way. He is the Lord of the storms, and he uses life storms for our benefit. Also, Realize that storms don't just happen and that we just have to deal with them. The storms don't just happen like they're outside of God's control, like God has nothing that he can do about a storm in your life. It doesn't matter what category of storm you're thinking about this morning. God is Lord over that storm. Now, it doesn't mean the storm's not going to come, but it means that that storm can end up being a pawn for God to use to, to absolutely transform your life. And make your life joyful and abundant and more full. And Jesus was about, he, he was about to unfold a secret of the kingdom of God. He was ready to show his disciples a mystery about who he was. And the storm that would normally be random and predictable 
uh, uh, normally be random or predictable, because where they were and storms happened a lot on the Sea of Galilee, uh, would today have divine purpose. And so Jesus spends the day preparing them for this encounter. So let's look at the day the disciples had with Jesus. Mark 4, let's go back to verses 1 through 3. And again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in, uh, in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, you know the story of the sower, and we'll read the interpretation here in just a second. But So Jesus tells a parable about the sower sowing seed and the seed falling in various places. And then later the disciples ask Jesus to explain the parable. And before he does, he confirms that they are able to understand the mysteries and why. Let me read it out of Matthew, his response to the disciples when they come and ask him to explain the parables. This is what he says in verse 11 through 17 in Matthew 13. And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says... You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see. And did not see it. And hear what you hear. And did not hear it. So in preparation for the storm. Here's Jesus. Wanting them to know that they had the ability to understand and apply truth. To you it has been given the the right. The ability to be able to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Now they don't know that he's preparing them for a trial. But we know now as we look back. I didn't know before this week. But as I looked back. I saw this truth in the scripture that Jesus was preparing them for the storm by first of all telling them, your eyes have been opened to to be able to see the truth. And that's not true for everybody. He compares and contrasts two different types of people. Those who had received him and were in relationship with Jesus now had the ability to understand the mysteries of God as they would be revealed in Jesus. But there were people that were all around him that would never have the ability to do that because their, their, their eyes were closed. Their hearts, they had closed their hearts off to Jesus being the Messiah, being God and God's son. They didn't believe in him. They didn't put their faith in him. And so they would not be able to handle storms the way the disciples would. And so let me just share with everyone here today, if you're a child of God, if you've made that commitment to Christ, if you believe in him, you put your faith in him, and he, you've received him as your, as your own savior, and he lives inside of you, this message is for you. And what you need to know about Jesus and how he takes, how he uses life's 
storms to transform us is that you have the possibilities of understanding the mysteries of God in the middle of a storm. But you need to work it. You need to be listening and receiving. Look at what he says next in the story. He continues to prepare them by speaking about how they would receive his words. And he tells the story and they ask the question, you know, what did, what did you mean? And then he explains it. Look at it in Mark four fourteen to 20. The sower sows the word. What does he sow? What does he sow, church? All right. He sows the word. He sows the word. He's talking about himself. And these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. All right. So those people have a word sown in them, and immediately it's taken away. Satan takes it away. Those people are not the kind of people that are prepared for a storm. Those, those are the kind of people that when the storm comes in life, they're going to turn away from God. They're going to blame God. They're going to, they're going to uh, be hopeless and helpless in the storm. And these are the ones that sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and then they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns and those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. So here's two illustrations of what happens when a storm comes. Jesus is preparing them for a coming storm. They don't even have an idea that he, he knows that there's a storm is coming this afternoon. And he wants them to be ready, and so he says, look, the words that I'm giving you, the person that I've proven to you that I am, uh, the knowledge that you've gained about me, the things that I've been teaching that you have heard, realize that it needs to go deeper than just a good feeling or just some brain activity, because if it doesn't, you're not ready for the storms. Little things will come up. Problems are going to come up. A storm is going to come up, and tribulation will come, and that faith that you have or that belief in the word will be blown away or the cares of this world will come up and choke it out or your desire for other things if that word is not received the right way then then desire for wealth desire for for friends desire for other things are going to choke that out but then he finishes with this with verse 20 he says but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So in preparation for the coming storm, Jesus tells the disciples to be careful how they receive his words. There are ways that result in no fruit, every way except for the final way, every type of reception except for this last kind of reception. I don't know how you receive the word today. I, I challenged you before the sermon started to pay attention because how are you receiving the word today? Are you listening and accepting and believing in a way that will cause life to your life to change? Accept in this passage when he says the one who hears the word and accepts it. That word means responding as though they believed that the message was true. 
responding as though they believed that the message was true. I had a word from God regarding my financial circumstances and regarding his faithfulness to me, and I had to, did, did I receive it the right way? If I had not received it the right way, I might have gone to work the next day, trying to find odd jobs, things to do to raise an impossible amount of money to raise in two days or three days. If I had not received, believed the word that, I, that, that he spoke, then I would, have been, uh, I would have been hopeless in the middle of that, that storm that arose for us. But I believed it. I received it. I accepted it with the belief that he was able to do it. So responding as though they believed his message was true. Like those in, in Peter's, who heard Peter's message in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. You know, when Peter preaches at Pentecost, those who accepted, it says, same word, his message were baptized and about 3,000 added to their number that day. So they heard it, they received it, and believed that the message was true. So it requires action. If you're going to have the kind of faith that you need in a storm... And, and God's going to be able to take that storm and turn it into truth for you. Then you need to be good soil. One who hears the word and accepts it. And then fruit will be born in your life. So Jesus was saying to those who, ex- who accept the word, they are changed by what they hear. And I want to challenge you that truth needs to show up in your life. Some of us, the truth is lying dormant. It's lying dormant in the book on the shelf. Or it's lying dormant in our brains. Or maybe we're excited about the truth enough to go and study it and dissect it, and it still lies dissected in our brains. And the good soul hears it and applies it, hears it and receives it as truth, hears it and believes the message to be true, and then acts on it. And next, Jesus goes to the application of the word. Verse 21, he said to them, Is a lamp brought, to be, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to life. So he, now it seems like he's going to a whole different illustration, different parable, but he's making the same point. He's still preparing the disciples because look what he says next. It's all about how do you hear the word? How do you apply the word? What are you doing with the word? If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus is preparing them for the storm by warning them that the truth that they have in their hearts will soon have an opportunity to show up in a testing situation. The truth that seems to be hidden down deep within them is about to show up. That truth that that they have believed, that they have received, uh, and, and in the way that we talked about earlier, that, that they have believed the message and that, that it was true and they're going to act on it, the opportunity is about to happen where they're going to get to use that. It's going to show up in a testing situation. That word or phrase, pay attention in this passage. It doesn't mean just listen and hear. Literally, this is what it means. Listen, you're going to love this. 
Now, again, I, this is just, again, for me, more proof that what Jesus was doing during the day was preparing him for the storm. But this is what it says. This is the definition of that word in, in one of the Greek lexicons that I read. Literally, be ready to learn about future dangers or needs with the implication of preparedness to respond appropriately. <laughs> Jesus told them during the day in a way that they would understand that we don't understand. When I say pay attention, you think of, oh, you know, my teacher used to say that and th- hit a stick on the, on the desk to wake everybody up. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying a storm is coming. You need, you need to hear what I'm saying in this way, that there's a storm coming. Be prepared. A storm is coming. It would be like me saying, if, if I could see the future, everybody listen carefully because in just a minute, you're going to walk out and you're going to face something and you need to be ready for it. Jesus told him that ahead of time. You're, you're fixing to face something that everything I've been teaching you all day is going to come from the inside of you and it's going to shine like a light. And you're going to see where you really are. And by the way, while you're measuring how much of this truth you really have, he talks about measuring. As you measure, it's going to be measured unto you. Get ready because whatever you're measuring in somebody else or measure wherever you think you are, you're about to find out. It's about to be measured when you face this trial that you're about to have. A preparedness for what's about to happen. Some danger is coming up that you're going to face and you need to be prepared. I love that. I love the fact that Jesus showed me that this week in the scripture. Pay attention, church. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that there's going to be a a storm ahead for you. There's a storm for these disciples, and he's intending to use the storm to bring truth that they've heard already into reality in their life. It's not enough that they heard him. They're going to need to use the truth that they heard soon in a dangerous situation. Jesus says, be prepared to act on what you think you believe. Be prepared to act on what you think you believe. Jesus is is trying desperately right now to prepare you for storms. When you take his word down from the shelf and you open it up and you pray and you read and you read your devotionals and you spend time alone praying and asking God about life and you take that seriously and you're before God and you're with God, he says the same thing to you. He says, be prepared. Something's coming. You need to be prepared for it. There's a trial that's about to happen, and, and, and if you will be prepared for this trial, uh, if you'll be ready, then what's on the inside is about to come out. I recently had an experience very similar to that. Uh, I, I've been kind of waiting on a job at Louisiana College. I applied for a, a full-time, uh, psych, as a, for a full, to be a full-time psychology teacher at LC. Um, the position came open. I, I, two years ago, I knew that was going to happen. I've been preparing for that. The Lord spoke that through a series of circumstances. And so all that was happening. And I've been teaching now for, for a whole year. And I didn't know if this was going to be God's will or not. But I do know it was his will for me to apply for it. But when I applied for it, uh, you know, it, it was pretty much a, a done deal. According to the, because the VPAA wanted me there. The committee wanted me there. It was, you know, it was, by everybody's standards, it was going to be a done deal. But in my heart. I knew that there, it's never a done deal until God says it's a done deal. And I didn't have a passion about teaching. I have a passion to follow the Lord. Does that make sense? Now, if he wants me to teach, I'm having a passion about teaching. <laughs> but it's about him. It's not about the job. So I was excited about the possibility. 
Well, I got a phone call from uh, Dr. Pounds, the VPAA at the time, uh, a phone call one morning while I was drinking coffee. And I was about to get into my quiet time, and uh, he asked if we could have some, have some coffee, and I said, yeah. And so he was going to be there in about 15, 20 minutes. So I just went ahead and started reading what I was reading. Well, what I read that morning, I, I wrote in my journal, Lord, it sounds like you're, about to, you're telling me that I'm about to be told I'm not getting this job. And so be, help me to be prepared. And I can show you what I read that morning. I got it written in my journal. It's so, so incredible. And so I wrote down, uh, it sounds like I'm, about, I'm not going to get this job. Help me to respond correctly. I, I don't, you know, I know, and I had time to, about 10 minutes to get my heart ready, think about it, realize where I am, remember the truth that God had given me, that he's my provider, he's, he's going to take care of me, he's, he does whatever he needs to do for me, I'm not, I'm not under worrying about getting a job or not getting a job. And when Dr. Pounds came in, he told me the committee was trying to go with a person who had a, a clinical degree because they're, they have some other things that they need to do in that situation. And he was so apologetic and going on and on about it. And I said, look, because we're close friends. I said, look, it's okay. I let him t- t- give me his, p- his spill. And then at the end of it, I said, now let me show you something. I opened up my journal and let him read it. Yeah, I learned something about God in the moment. I learned something in that little trial. That, that if we'll listen and pay attention and ask God and involve God in the situation, he wants to speak to the things that are, that are not only happening now in your life, not only, God, how do I deal with what already happened, but, God, what do you want to say to me today? Because I know there's also preparation coming for a storm ahead. And when I get in that storm ahead, I want to be ready. Today is a message right now that God wants to use to get in your heart to prepare you for a storm that's ahead. I don't know what you guys are going to face this week. I'm not Jesus, so I can't look ahead and say, oh, yeah, there's a storm. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But Jesus is Jesus, and he gave me this message, and he's bringing it out for you today. And some of you are hearing it, and some of you are not. Some of you are hearing it and will accept it, and some of you won't. Some of you is just going right by, and Satan's stealing the seed before it ever gets in your mind. Right? So Jesus prepared them for the storm by warning them of what was coming. Now he gets more specific about the, the, the experience that they're going to have. This is so cool. Y'all ready for something really cool? Say, oh, yeah. I'm, uh, this is cool. All right, so I'm already having this experience with God as I'm going through these parables and seeing how he prepared them for the storm. But look at this one, the next verses. Uh, verse 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts a sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus is the man who has been spending the whole day scattering the seed. He's the sower. And what does he do when he gets in the boat? He goes to sleep. It's, it's, it, and yet there's stuff still going on. The seed is still growing while he's sleeping. It, it looks like panic, but it's not panic. Oh, it is panic, but it's panic with a purpose. That ought to preach right there. That would be another sermon, panic with a purpose. It, it is. It, the circumstances, they're ready for the circumstance. The seed is there. And while the sower is sleeping, that first little blade is about to 
to come up. One, one version says, oh, ye of little faith. Yeah, they had faith, but they had little faith, right? It was small faith, but it was a blade of grass that had come up from the truth that they knew about God was there, and that little blade of grass came. And I love that because Jesus is preparing them for the storm by helping them know that if they accept the truth and pay attention in the storm and endure with the sower, there's going to be a harvest and fruit that comes out of it. He's telling them ahead of time. All day long, he's trying to talk about and get them prepared for this experience. He's been speaking truth all day, truth that's going to be applicable in the evening of that same day. He's telling them ahead of time because Jesus does that in the storms. Now, whether, again, whether Jesus is going to make your storm happen today for your good or not, here's what I know about Jesus. He already knows what storm's coming for you today, tomorrow, the next day. And the best thing you can do to be prepared is to spend your day with Jesus, to spend your mornings with Jesus, to, to read his word, to pray, to let God put some seeds in you. There, how many of you have there been times when you've been in the word and you hear something and the Holy Spirit enlightens you to something or opens up your mind to read it and you think, I don't know what this is for, but it's sure for something. Anybody ever have that experience? And all the time, if you'll be faithful and just read the word, there will be words that God will give you like mine that morning when, when God told me ahead of time what was going to happen, and I was prepared for it. You know, I didn't know what that word was for, but there it was. There are things that God is doing in your life. If you will let him guide, if you abide in him, continually ask God about things in your life. Walk with him through life, moment by moment, listening and obeying the things that he tells you to do. That you're going to be ready when the storm comes. And then when the storm comes, the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is sleeping, resting wonderfully on his pillow while the storm is raging. And they're in a panic and waves are filling up the boat. They're crushing in and the boat is filling up and it's going to sink and they're going to die. And they're panicking. But what do they do? The little faith that they have, they know where to go. They go to Jesus. They wake him up. They were prepared. They were prepared for the storm. They knew what to do in the storm is go back to Jesus and let Jesus finish the story. Let him finish the teaching that he started earlier in the day. Let him take all of that stuff and make sense of it in your life. And let him take care of business. He said, if you, if you let that seed get deep inside of you, if you receive this word, then what's going to happen is you're not going to you're going to be you're going to understand a new mystery about the kingdom of God. You're going to understand a mystery about the kingdom of God, a truth, a secret, literally about me that nobody else can know because they're not having this experience with me. And what happens? <laughs> Verse forty. He said to them, "Why are you so afraid? Why uh, you still have no faith?" And they were filled with great fear to one another and said, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? So Jesus gets up. He speaks to the wind and the waves. And everything gets calm. And they're looking at each other and they're looking at him. And all of a sudden, they understand a new mystery about the Son of God. That he has control over the seas and the waves. 
They get that discovery because all day long, Jesus had been preparing them, getting them ready to have this experience, not apart from him, not by themselves, not that he's punishing them and saying, y'all go have this experience, get your punishment out of the way, then come back here. He's there in the storm with them, finishing up the teaching that he'd been given all day long. And what happens is that truth that had been hidden inside all day comes to light. That truth that Jesus said in the parable that's down inside of you that you, that you believe but you don't believe enough is now going to be real in your life because you're about to see that I'm the son of God. You're going to see it because I'm going to tell the waves to get calm. I'm going to cal- calm the storm uh, and calm the seas and you guys are going to survive. So what about us? Man, what a, what a great thing to know about our God, is that the, the storms that you have have purpose. The, the storms that you're going through, why whine in the middle of a storm? Why panic in the middle of a storm? Why should we be, oh, poor me, in the middle of, of a storm of our life? We should be rejoicing because Jesus has prepared us for the storm and because in the middle of the storm, he has something great, some mystery, some beautiful secret that he wants to reveal to us. In the middle of a storm, we should be saying, wow, well, you know, it hurts, but boy, this is going to be good. I can't wait to see what God's fixing to give me. And we wake him up by going to God and saying, okay, God, now what? But isn't it cool that when you come to a storm in life that you can, you can know ahead of time? Because Jesus told me on Friday that my problem was going to be taken care of before Wednesday. And because he told me that and I believed it, and I held on to it, and I acted like it was true. I received and accepted that word. And because he told me a storm was coming, and I was prepared that that was going to be a rough storm, and it's coming, and, and, and he also promised me that he would be there in the middle of that storm. And it might seem like he's sleeping, but he's purposeful in the middle of it. Then in the middle of the storm, while it's going on, I'm not panicking. I'm not freaking out. I'm not acting like God's not there. And then I get to enjoy watching him work and waking him up, not with panic, but waking him up saying, okay, Jesus, I just wanted you to know, I know the storm's here. I want to make sure you know also, (laughs) right? Waking him up to the fact, talking to him in the middle of the storm and saying, going to God, of course, he doesn't sleep, but, you know, or slumber anymore. Right? He's awake all the time, just going to God and saying, okay, God, I'm in the middle of the storm. You said it was coming. I knew it was coming. We're down to the wire. So I'm watching. See what you're going to do. And at exactly the right time, in exactly the right way, he stretches his hand out in your life, in your storm, whatever it is, in your provision, in your need for health, in your need for family uh, restoration, and uh, for him to fix things between you and your daughter, you and your son, you and your, your spouse, you and your mom and dad, whatever. And he reaches out and he fixes it, just like he said he would. And so there's so much, so much that we can learn that I hope will help you to hold on. We're not holding on to principles in the middle of a storm. Y'all with me say, oh, yeah. We're not holding on to principles in the middle of a storm. We're holding on to a person in the middle of a storm. A person who's with us every day prior to the storm and will be with us after the storm. And the mysteries that we gain in the middle of the storm, we can only gain them in the storm. Jesus was taking advantage of one storm 
Storms happen all the time in the Sea of Galilee because on one side you got all these mountains and on the other side you have these small hills with, with these little tunnels in between the hills of valleys that just send, send these wind storms, just like being in Chicago and, and going through those big buildings and coming out on the other side, the Windy City. It happened all the time, but this storm had purpose. And Jesus prepared him for it and he used it. And he'll do the same for you. So let's pray about it. Father, help us to see you in this story and then see you in our own stories. Lord, I pray that you will reveal truth in a way that we'll never forget it today. Truth about you, that Lord, we'll know to hold on to you in the storm. That we'll hold on to you every day in preparation for the storm. You speak and we apply the truth that, that you give us, that we understand. That you prepare us for storms by giving us truth, the truth about what's coming. And letting us know ahead of time, Lord, when testing situations are going to happen in our lives. Giving us preparation for that in the, in the daily times that we spend with you, in the moments that we ask questions, that you would show us the truth of that. Lord, that we'd be careful how we receive your words. That we, we would receive them, Lord, with, with minds that are alert and spirits that are sitting up and ready to receive and to act. Father, I just thank you that you prepare us and that you go with us in the storms. And that storms are nothing more than another way that we can discover you. And discover some of the most beautiful mysteries and secrets about who you are. You've seen the testimony of hands that were raised today. God, though our hands have testified to past experiences, some of us are not handling our present storms well. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us right now to receive this message and to move in a different direction. To trust in the one who calms the storm. Show yourself to our people this week. Show yourself to each of us, God. We love you and praise you for being a God who makes the most of storms.